I created you to be. Woman was fashioned and man was formed in the image and the likeness of God. And together we are truly better. So next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the ladies. And guys, if you stay home, may the wrath of motherhood come down upon you in your sleep. May you be spite, smite, smoted with, <laughs> with the wrath of that motherhood if you skip. Hey, listen, and then Sunday afternoon, which I know, like, hey, Mother's Day, if you got Mother's Day plans, don't, don't feel convicted to come back here. But if you get your, finished, your plans finished that night at 6 o'clock, since we have Michael and Stephanie with us anyways, I asked Michael to come back that evening. We'll keep our elementary age. We'll have um, child care for three and under that evening, but the elementary age will be in with us, and I just said, Michael, let loose, man. I, I want you to just, I want to I turn you loose, and I want you to give us a shot of adrenaline to go into the summer, so that we are not one of those churches who participate in the summer blues, but we do the same thing this year that we did last year, which is grow by another 150 people, even in the midst of the dog days of summer. Come on, somebody, if you agree that yeah. Jesus can do that. Then. Don't just clap about it. Come back next Sunday night. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach this morning because we're in between series. Uh, a standalone kind of a message. Kind of a, a one-hit wonder, if you will. I call it the, the Norman Greenbaum. Okay? Anybody with me? Norman Greenbaum? Yeah, exactly. He's a one-hit. How about, I see the spirit in the sky. Spirit in the sky. Okay, that one's okay. You got that? All right. For, for the younger generation that never heard that song. It's a, it's a Baja man, you know, who let the dogs out. Come on, that's just one. It was a one-hit wonder. It's like the, uh, the guy on the commercial that they had to put who he was underneath his name in order for anybody to know who he was. That's a one-hit wonder. So I'm going to preach a one-hit wonder today. No series necessary. Here's the message for today. Not today. When you wake up tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, you're going to have to take on the attitude, not today. You may have to speak directly to the power and principality of darkness in your life. You may have to speak directly to yourself. But you're going to say, not today. In fact, the subtitle of this message today, not today, His Word is my weapon. See, you've been given something to fight with. The Lord did not just give you a really good story for you to share with your friends, but it is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that doesn't just bring life to the person that receives it, but it brings life to everybody that's around the person yeah. that receives it. Not today, devil, you can't have my finances. Not today, devil, you can't have my future. Not today, devil, you can't have my feelings. Come on, somebody. Not today, devil, you can't have my family. You cannot have my physical body. Yeah. I am going to serve my God because His Word is my weapon. I've got something to fight back with. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. I'll start in verse 1. I... Uh, Pastor, in-house prayer pastor, Blaine Francois leads prayer for us, engages us into God's presence in prayer almost weekly. He, he only misses when he has to. And, and on Father's Day, I've asked him to, to share with me on Father's Day, kind of in the, the middle of June, he's going to preach with me. We're going to share kind of the characteristics of fatherhood and, and what it looks like to even be a husband and the challenge that comes along with that, and then also the confidence that we can have as we aspire to such a great task. And then in the beginning of July, he's not going to preach with me. He's going to preach for me, and I am going to Africa. Yeah, no, I'm excited about that, sort of. I'm kind of scared because i got to get a lot of shots, and I have this, like, basobagel thing where I pass out sometimes, and it's funny if you want to film it. But anyways, I'm going, going to Africa, and here's what, listen... What you give on Sunday morning is, it, it, it's incredible that we get to do local things, that we get to do serve day and, and the health fair, but we also support 40 plus missionaries around the globe who share the gospel with people that have never heard it before, who do missions work with people in places that we have never been and some of us will never go, but because you give, I get to go at the beginning of July to meet with pastors 
who are pastoring groups of people and invest in those pastors what is at the click of our fingertips, we're going to go share with them and pour into them so that they will be able to empower more people, equip more people to do more ministry just like we have been able to do and the pastors that I'm going with have been able to do. Listen, because you give, you are blessing the nations. You're not just ministering to people in Eunice. You are ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world when you worship God in your giving. Not limited to one or the other because God is able to do all of the above. Psalm 138, verse 1. says, I will praise you with my whole heart. There's not an area of my life that I'm not going to praise you. There's not a feeling inside that I'm not going to submit to you. There's not an aspect of my personality that is not subject to praising God. I will, I will praise you. I will express my gratitude, my humility, even my submission. I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods, before the gods, before the powers and principalities, before the little gods of this world. I don't care where I am. I don't care who I'm in front of. I will sing praises to you. Okay? Are you with me? If you're with me, say uh-huh. Because uh -huh. for the 11 o'clock service, you guys always seem to come in here tired. Come in here a little sleepy. See, a uh, uh, 9 o'clock service, they clapped whenever Megan said that she's glad to be alive you know, as a part of a church that's alive and active. And you guys, like, missionary Baptisted her right there. You were like, oh, I said it. Yeah, I grew up in it, and it is part of my upbringing, so don't you scoff me or scoff at me over that. But you, you just kind of stumbled in. And, oh, yeah, alive. It's better than being dead, bored. Yeah, alive. Alive, living. I will praise you. Verse 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple. Listen, why did he say praise in one place? And then he decided to use a different word and say, I will worship. Because praise is an expression. And worship is a posture. Yeah. See, worship is not just something that we do on a set list mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. But worship is a posture of which we wake up right. and which we live out on a daily basis. The Bible says, I will worship where? Toward your holy temple. See, in order to be able to worship in the direction of God, you've got to turn away from the things that do not go in the direction of God. Right. I will worship. I will turn. There will be a posture within me that is not dependent upon the things around me. I will turn away from those things and I will position myself in worship towards the only thing that can fulfill me and bring true meaning to my life, which is your holy temple. And I'll express it. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Jesus came in the New Testament. The Bible says that he was full of grace, loving kindness, unmerited favor, and truth. It's an echo of this passage in the book of Psalms. For you have magnified your word above all your name. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But you have magnified your word above all your name. I'm, I'm robbing the backdrop of this message from the scripture that our prayer pastor, Blaine Francois, shared with us last week. That the word of God is above all things, even the name of God. Verse 3, in the day when I cried out, you answered. I, see, I want you to understand this morning that even if you don't feel it, doesn't mean that the Father doesn't hear it. Good. Two people. Praise the Jesus. Wake up this morning. Come on. Just because you don't feel it does not mean that the Father doesn't hear it. The psalmist says, when I cried out to you, you answered me. And whether you realized it or you didn't realize it, the Bible says that when you cry, He answers and He makes you bold with strength inside of your soul, inside of your feelings, inside of your heart. 
your soul, your makeup, your desires, no matter what you're going through or how you feel, come on, help me this morning, when you cry out to God, the Word says that He answers you and you can be strong in your soul even though you may not feel it in that moment. Verse yeah. 4, all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. All the kings of the earth are going to express their praise. Every person under the voice of Jesus in the last days will express their praise. So I say, let's practice now. Yeah. Let's not wait until we're made to to praise God the way that we were created to. Yeah. I want to practice my praise as I position myself for His promise today. I don't want to wait until the day that I'm made to. I want to practice what I was created to as often as possible. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Now, this is a, a reference to actually Revelation 19. I, I just believe that the Apostle John, the revelator, probably had this text in mind whenever he saw Jesus descending upon the earth again. And the scripture says out of his mouth was a double edged sword and it divided the nations. I want you to understand that in the last days, whether you do now or whether you wait until then, whether the king does it today or he waits until then, out of his mouth is coming a double-edged sword, which is the Word of God that will divide and separate even spirit and soul. And when that Word comes out of his mouth, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. The praise on the inside of you will be forced to come out of you and all the kings of the earth. David knew it then. John wrote about it in Revelation chapter 19, verse 5. Yes. I just can't quit writing about it. Yes. They shall sing of your ways, O Lord. For great is your glory. Great is the glory of the Lord. Alright, now let's go back to verse 2 with me. See, when I went to write this message, I had the scriptures on my heart. I knew kind of the direction that I was going. And I really wanted to just, because I've been preaching the host and, and follow me and the event and the invitation. And it's been really exciting and inspirational. I was like, God, I really, I feel like, thank God I don't, I don't follow my feelings. I feel like I should kind of bring it back down to earth just a little bit. Maybe just sit and share this week on the, the impact of the Word of God. But as I began to write about the glories of the Lord, as I began to write about the power available and the authority that is affecting my life according to the Word of God, I just couldn't contain. I just couldn't sit down and share. I had to shout from the rooftops and make sure that everybody understood that the Word of God is the weapon of choice when we go into the battle against the enemy. Verse 2, I will worship toward your holy temple. Now in first service, this was a place where God just stopped us. So in second service, I said, hey, God can speak through you just like He can me. So Pastor Weston shared. It took one miracle in Scripture, one miracle to get the Israelites out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. The Israelites turned an 11-day journey into 40 years of wandering around in the desert. And that generation actually never accomplished the promise of God. See, I believe that the promise of God is dependent upon the praise of His people. Because when Joshua took the initiative, when Joshua took the mantle from Moses, it was the praise of the people that brought down the wall of Jericho and the praise of the people purchased the promise that has already actually been paid for on their behalf. It was their expression that led 
to the impact of God coming to pass. I will worship toward your holy temple. What happened? What happened to the Israelites is the same thing that's happening to people today. Yeah. Even right now, even right now, we have a tendency to look around more than we do to look ahead. Even right now, if anything happens in this sanctuary, even as I'm preaching the word of God, which is so, what some of you came for and some of you got drug up here for, but re- we throughout our lives do the same thing that the Israelites did, that instead of looking ahead and praising God for the promise, we begin to look around and even look back. And the Israelites came to a place where the, their lack of praise and their lack of obedience led to an entire generation missing the promise. At one point, they were so distracted by the hard times that they had to face that they said, we'd rather be back in Egypt eating onions. Now look, if they'd have said meat, and it's onions, it ain't onion, okay? It's onions where I come from. And it ain't come see, it's come here. Okay, that's how we just come here. That's, it's all in one word. Come here. Our children understand that that means get up from where you are, put one foot in front of another, and come see daddy. Come here. That's, they get it, right? You can just roll with it. That's what God was calling the Israelites to. It wasn't onions of the past. It was manna from above. It was quail from the sea. It was the promise of milk and honey in a land of prosperity. But they were so focused on their past that they missed the opportunity to praise and ultimately never achieved the promise. May we not be the same. I will worship toward your holy temple. I won't look around. I won't look back. I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. You have magnified your word above all your name. Would you just remember with me this morning, just for a few minutes, some of the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Nisi, my God is my banner. Elohim, I am that I am. I am everything that ever was and is and is to come. I created all things and in me all things were created. I am Yahweh, the God of Jehovah God, the one true, faithful and just, forgiving and merciful Father of all of creation. And yet the scripture says, your word is above all of your name. Above all of creation is the word of God, is the Bible that we handed out these students this morning. That text that they hold in their hand is above the name that is above every name. The word of God. Everything that has... Jesus' name put on it, even his children, his word is above it. That's why we can answer the question easily, well, why would God send a good guy like me to hell? And the answer is, God would not want to send a good anybody to hell. But you, when you don't live for him here, you don't get to live with him there. Because his word is more, uh, uh, is greater, and it's above every one of his names. And even though he calls you child and he loves you, his justice and his fairness is greater because he has to stay true to his word. Unlike any earthly king or leader, his word is eternally true. See, you can't trust the word of just any earthly king or leader. Even if they're in office in the United States of America. Sometimes they will say one thing and they will do something completely different. Because their word is not above their name. 
They're more interested in their name, come on, so than they are their word. But God says, I'm more interested in my word than I am anything else. And when I state it, you can take it to the bank. You can stand on it. You can focus on it. You can hone in on it because my word is greater even than my name. Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. See, God's not just saying, I'm going to pave the way for you. He's saying, I'm going to pave the way for you. And that paved path, it's going to, for the generation that's coming after me, for some of the millennials and younger this morning, it's not just going to be paved. It's going to be lit. It's going to be lit up. You can look at it. All you have to do is get your word inside of me. And sometimes we go, God, I can't hear from you. Lord, why won't you light the way? Lord, why won't you pave the way? God, why is it so difficult? And the Lord is going, listen, baby, if you can't open up your Bible, then you're going to have a real hard, hard time hearing from my spirit. Open up my word. Let it be hidden in your heart that you will not sin against me. Then you will see the path of righteousness that has already been paved with the blood of Jesus. And you will see the light that bursts forth on the day of creation. And all you have to do is follow it. This is the way. Walk in it. But you got to get in his word. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners. You can be in the world and not of it. You can stand in the midst of Bourbon Street and not participate. You can go downtown in the middle of Eunice on Fat Tuesday and you can sell funnel cakes and and dessert trays and king cakes and you can let the banner of God in New Hope Church wave over everything that's going on around them and you can connect with people that you wouldn't have connected with because the light of God is on the inside of you and people are going to see it so when you come over you're going to have more impact on their heart than the environment around them because the light of the law is upon you and how blessed is the man who does not walk in the council of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers and I was like when I was writing I was like man what is a a scoffer and I was like uh, immediately I don't know if there's a holy spirit or just my sarcasm immediately I thought scoffers is kind of self-explanatory it's people that no matter what you say is going on like you tell them about serve day at new hope and their response is (laughs) they're scoffers they just scoff and everything. You tell them that you gave your life to Jesus and you were water baptized and, and they showed a video before service and we baptized 20 people in a week and 35 people the month before that and we're going to baptize more and lead more and then we're going to plant a church on 190 and it's going to blow this city to pieces and Jesus is going to break forth and the light let, let be shed forth in the darkness and here's what they say. Scuff. Well listen, you know how you answer a scuff? You answer a scuff with a psh. Okay, so next time that you tell somebody something and they at you, just just write back at them, and you can just go back and forth. And listen, if you don't want to at them, send them up to me. I'll at them all day long. I'll let them know where I stand, why I stand there, and where we're gonna be standing next, baby. Because the word of God is ready to do something significant in the city of God, and this is the place that He has put us to make a difference. Now, listen, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about religious people. You know, the people that never want to change because it makes them uncomfortable, because they've confused their comfort with the comforter. They've confused, oh, come on, I'm helping you today. They've confused the message of the gospel with the method of a culture that worked 20 years ago. They've updated their cell phone and every device in their house, but they're yet to update the way that they minister to their babies or the next generation. It's something that needs to change in the conviction of the heart of the believer, but the reason that it's not changing is because the Lord is not being heard. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And I'm just going to tell y'all right now, we took longer on that senior thing. We're going to be here a little longer today, okay? Because I ain't even almost 
not even almost there. Because I heard him start playing, and I was like, my Lord, I thought he was early. Nope, <laughs> it really is that time. His delight is in the law. Listen, just, man, y'all just shout me down and wave at me. If you just love abiding by the law, come on, man. I mean, I got a heavy foot, y'all, for real. Like, I inherited it. it. Like, I came by it honest. Like, I used to fuss my mama. I'd be riding with her, y'all, and, and we'd be going, and I said, we'd be going up, and there's a car sitting right there. And those red things mean they're stopped, okay? And so, but, but we're still on the gas pedal. And I'm like, my, my, my spirit language is getting strong, just riding around with my mama. And we get real close, right before that bumper. And I'm like, what? why are you still on the gas? Okay, well, Fast forward a few years later, I'm riding with my wife and I'm driving and I feel her clenching on my arm. We're just riding down the road. She's clenching on my arm. I'm like, woman, what are you doing? She's like, why are you still on the gas? Those red things mean brake lights. That's what you're supposed to stop. Slow down. Don't run up to them and slam on your brakes. What if there's a line broken and you just go through the back seat? Like, that's not going to happen. I have a lot of faith in these brakes. Some people trust brakes more than they do Jesus. In his law, he meditates. Come on, listen. See, transcendentalism stole meditation from Scripture. They didn't create it. They didn't make it up. The Bible says, meditate on his law day and night. Verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water. Come on, let me ask you something this morning. Are you dry and thirsty in your walk with Jesus? You need to open up your Bible and get some more word in you. Are you hungry and longing? Open up the word and get some more word in you. Are you lacking inspiration and motivation for life? Does your sin seem like it overcomes you more than you overcome it? Get some word inside of you and you will be like a tree planted by the stream of living water that feeds you fervently, which yields its fruit. Come on, are you having a hard time producing the right kind of fruit? Does your attitude and your action look more like you than it does Jesus? That's because you need to get some more word inside of you. And when you get the word inside of you, what flows into you will just automatically begin to come out of you and the right fruit will be produced in season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, that doesn't mean that you walk around and beat people in the face with the Bible that you know better than them. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you try to force feed something that you think you know. It means you meet them where you are. Meet them where they are. And you share what you know with a heart of concern. Loving kindness and truth all blended into one beautiful way of communication. But you shall meditate, there it is again, on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. I know that Joshua had to at some point follow Moses through the wilderness and in about at least like the 22nd year there had to be something on the inside of him going how much longer are we going to wander around in the desert when God promised us a land that if we would just praise him for it how much longer are we going to spin around in circles before we fix our eyes on Jesus and go to the place that he's already prepared for us delight in the law of the Lord make your way prosperous pastor why do I need to read my Bible? Because His Word is your weapon. That's why. His Word is your weapon. When you read the Bible, it sharpens the blade. And, and every time that you read, well, I've done that before. Okay, do it again. The Bible is not a seasonal deal. It's a day and night deal that you meditate on constantly that never leaves from your mouth and from your heart that affects you in every area of your life at all times in your life. It's like my Gigi's Christmas present. Every time you open the box, you see something new. Like she gives us these little bags and you know that you got to open the open the open to find what's down on the inside. I've read the same scripture. I can tell you, you could read the same scripture beginning today for the next 30 days and God would show you something different every time that you read that scripture. I know not to put Gigi's gift down until I have checked the cardboard on the bottom because there may be a hidden compartment that is the true gift underneath everything else and Gigi going to walk 
around and say, did you see your gift? Did you find the gift? Did you find what I left in the, the nook of the nook of the cranny, the cranny, and you opened the ornament and you saw inside of the thing that was inside of the ornament? It was there. Did you see it? I'm like, yeah, I'm still looking though. There's got to be something else. It's you. You just keep looking. You keep on reading. Hebrews 4.12. Word of God is alive and active. It's alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive. It's not just the greatest story that's ever told. It's not just the best seller of all time. It is alive and it is active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Do you know what happens when you fight with a dull blade? You end up hurting yourself. You do more damage than you make a difference. You've got to sharpen the blade. Quick story. My stepdad called me this week. I don't know if he had a, if he had a dull blade or not. Maybe he just had a slippery fish. Um, by the way, it's not our job to clean the fish. It's just our job to catch them. We catch them. He cleans them. You start doing Jesus' job, people get hurt. So here he is cleaning the catfish. And, and, he, and I guess he squeezed too hard. Maybe dull blade. Maybe he just squeezed too hard. And, he, and that fish, whoop. You know, it's like that lemon seed at a restaurant. You can grab that lemon seed, and if you squeeze that lemon seed, man, it'll shoot across that restaurant all the way across. It'll land in somebody else's cup. They'll never know it was you. Try it. Next time you go, get a water with lemon just for the sake of squeezing the seed. Just don't do it when you're the only other person in the restaurant because it's really awkward. I did that one time. They knew it was us, and Megan's hitting me, and I'm going, what, what, what? They knew. They knew that that seed now on their plate came out of my water with lemon glass. Don't do that. He squeezed the catfish. He dropped the catfish fish and the barb went down towards his foot through the hole in his crocs and went an inch deep into his big toe and if you've ever been barbed by a catfish yeah you know that you would rather lick a wasp on his tail than have a barb of a catfish go through your big toe <laughs> that is a pain that most people never want to experience okay so here's the moral of that story Throw your Crocs away, crazy. Them things went out 10 years ago. Crocs were never cute. Those are not to be worn in public. Those are house shoes with a purpose, okay? Take them Crocs off, the catfish. No, the, the moral of the story is you can't fight a battle with a dull blade. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, put on your salvation helmet. Put on salvation as a helmet, as a protection from the things that you know. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Now listen, I want you to picture this, okay? I'm going back up here. Picture this. Michael Rowan painted this picture a little bit more awkwardly than I'm going to paint it. Last year when he said this, okay? I want you to imagine yourself a soldier in the army of God. And the Bible says, put on the belt of truth. Can you see it? There's the belt of truth that holds up your pants so you don't get embarrassed in the midst of the battle. Okay? Belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. So the Bible says, His glory is your rear guard, but your righteousness goes before you. It's protection from the darts of the enemy that goes before you. The breastplate of righteousness. Okay? The shoes of the gospel of peace. The helmet of of salvation the shield of faith and watch this the sword of the spirit can you see yourself girded in the armor of God okay here's what we do often we're like fruit of a loom fighters okay we try to walk out on Monday morning in skibbies and a pair of socks and the enemy sees us coming and they're all mounted up in their armor and they've got their weapons and here comes the church skippies and socks skipping across the field not having any impact any influence because we did not put on the armor of God and mount up with the sword of the spirit which is the only weapon that is available in that passage when you put on the armor of God and you pick up the sword of God you do not just have to to endure the attack of the enemy you can overcome the attack of the enemy because he cannot stand where the spirit of the Lord is which is the sword the word of God it's alive it's active it's sharper than any double-edged sword but here's the problem we have too many believers that just stay babies mm-hmm 
What time is it? Man, what's... We got too many three-year-old Christians that have been involved in it for 30 years, never growing up. And so when the enemy comes up against the three-year-old Christian, you look like a t-baller trying to catch something. <laughs> like, dude, it's a, ball, it's a soft ball. It's got Velcro on it, Jack. It's not going to kill you. Stand still, put your glove up, and catch the ball. All right, you ready? Here it comes. That's what we look like with our sword. Instead of standing firm in the faith, man, we like waving it. Get away from my house. Get, get out of here. No, 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 no. You need to do yourself what I did to my son. Come here, boy. Look, you see this ball? It's soft. Kaboom. It busted him inside. He's like, I said, does that hurt? Good. Put your glove up in the air and catch the daggone baseball when I throw it at you. You need to mount up and understand what we have and who we are in Him and that the enemy cannot get to us unless we let Him get to us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert. You know what he's saying? This is what Peter's saying to the people in the church. Wake up! Grow up! Stop being satisfied with milk and baby food when I've got meat for you to actually grow and mature upon. Stop being satisfied with the past and where you've come from. Even looking around at where you are. Look up. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's a roaring lion. I like that. Because only an old, ineffective, non-hunting lion lays around and roars. A young lion that still has influence, that still has teeth, that can still hurt you, a young lion doesn't lay around and roar. A young lion hunts, does what it was created to do. But an old lion that's worn out that's brittle, that's toothless, that lion will lay around and roar to try to distract you from your divine destiny. But here's the good news of this passage, that an old lion only eats when somebody else feeds him. That means that the devil can only feed on you if you give him the access and the ability to do so he's just a roaring lion but you can be like my favorite person one of my favorite people in scripture a man named Benaiah awesome like if my mom would have heard from the spirit of the Lord Benaiah I mean dude I would love that what's your name Benaiah oh that is cool I know right my mom gave it to me it's awesome Benaiah one of David's mighty men. Verse 23, verse 20 of 2 Samuel, verse 23 says, Benaiah was the son of Joadiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. How he did many heroic deeds. He didn't look, listen, he didn't just receive salvation one time in an altar and then take a seat in the sanctuary. Okay? He didn't just do one miraculous thing, one heroic action of standing up in front of everybody or lifting their hand and, and repeating a prayer after the pastor. He did many. He started on the journey. He engaged in the journey. And he went all the way to the end. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. All right, that scripture right there, the champions of Moab, is actually sons of Ariel. And I don't mean the mermaid. Okay, sons of Ariel, which is a form of the Hebrew word Ariel, which is lion. So the scripture originally literally read, he killed two lion-like sons of Moab. See, the devil saw something significant in Beniah. See, some of you say, well, the devil's not messing with me. Well, that's because you're not doing anything. And some of you are saying, well, every time that I try to make one step 
towards Jesus, I take 10 steps backwards. Every time that I open one door, it seems like the enemy attacks me. And that's because he knows that there's something on the inside of you that is a divine destiny that's going to mess up his plan. And if he leaves you alone, then that plan's going to come to pass. But if he can distract you or discourage you or divide you, but you can look at that old ugly, roaring, toothless lion, put him back in his place, and at the name that is above every name even the demons have to flee he may be like a lion but he's not the lion but I killed him another time on a snowy day he chased a lion did you know that it doesn't have to be 70 degrees and sunny outside for you to be happy and live for Jesus it can be snowy it can be ugly it can be nasty it can be dark, but you can take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and you can go into the darkness and push it back with the light of God. You can chase that old, ugly, toothless, roaring lion back into the pit of hell where he belongs. You can dive off into it and kill him with your bare hands when you have the spirit of God alive and active on the inside of you, but it doesn't stop there. Once armed only with a club. Man, I forgot my Bible. I got this like one scripture. I got this one though. He goes up against a seven foot Egyptian warrior armed with a spear. The Bible says Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. You know what that means? You don't take a spear to a sword fight. You take the spear away and you show him that the word of God alive and active on the inside of you is sharper than any double-edged sword that they may see on the outside of you. You can take the enemy's own weapon and whip his tail with it if you're anointed and you're in the presence of the Father. Finally, verse 22, deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. Here's what's cool about Benaiah. Even after David died and Solomon became king, he never quit serving. He never stopped accomplishing heroic deeds in the name of Jesus. Even after Solomon became king, Benaiah killed Joab. Joab was the commander of the army of Israel and Benaiah killed him because Joab decided to follow Solomon's brother instead of the one that was anointed as king. Here's what that means. That when you follow the anointing, when you pursue the presence of God, even if it's just on somebody that's in a place that you haven't quite made it to, you receive the harvest reward. You receive the one that planted and sowed and watered. So if you will follow Jesus all the way to the end, he's got a prosperous thing to honor you in because he will receive the glory for that which he placed on the inside of you. And Luke 21, 33 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word... My word will never pass away. Can you hang in with me for three minutes? His word. His word. You've got to get back in his word. And I don't mean just flipping it open and pointing. I mean like picking something. Download the YouVersion app. Go to EuniceChurch.com resources and find a place to study. Study his word. Meditate on his word. You find a place to flip through. It may work a couple of times, but then you may land on that scripture in Psalms that says you have a dreadful disease in the fruit of your loins. The rest of your day may be messed up. It was funnier earlier. <laughs> Heaven and earth shall pass away. Are you ready? Listen. His word was the light that burst forth on the day of creation. His word was the breath of Adam that brought life to the dirt body. His word was the protection of Noah on the ark and the promise of Abraham in the send-off. His word was the dream of Joseph and the vision of Moses, the deliverance of the Hebrews and the praise that brought down the walls of Jericho. His word was the fire that consumed the altar and the oil that anointed David. His word was the victory over the Philistine giants and 
the call to repentance when the king had fallen. His word was the salvation of the nation of Nineveh come from the mouth of Jonah. His word was the protection of Daniel as it closed the mouth of the lions. His word was the persuasion of Esther's beauty that convinced the king to take her in. His word is the inspiration of Nehemiah, the provision of Malachi. It was the direction for Simon Peter, the redemption for Paul, and the revelation for John the Apostle. He's still the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the everlasting to everlasting. He was the lamb that was slain, but he's not an old toothless, worn out, uninfluential lion. He is the lion of my life, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is the only one that can overcome the enemy, and it is his word that will burst forth. He's my salvation and my healer. He's my hope and my future. He's my restoration and my reconciliation. He is the faith of my family and the provision of everything that I desire. He is everything that I've ever wanted and everything that I never knew I needed. He is the one that can set me free and he is the one that can keep me free. He is the author and the perfecter of my faith and his word is my weapon. His word is the sword of Armageddon. His word will strike down the nations. And yet today, it is what I have to not just endure the attack of the enemy, but to overcome and destroy the enemy in his tracks. That's my king. Do you know him? Father, right now I pray that you would help us to hear from you. That we wouldn't just engage on Sunday and forget on Monday through Saturday. God, right now I pray that, that, that there's anybody in here, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, that's not saved, that if they had to stand before you, the one that is called faithful and true, that they'd be terrified. Well, your word is available right now. Your salvation is available right now. So if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that does not know you, that is not confident in who they are in you, I pray that they would confess you as Lord and ask forgiveness of their sins. If I'm talking to you and you're in the room right now, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand up in front of anybody. We're just going to ask you to do one thing. We're just going to ask you that if you want to be included with a prayer, in a prayer that everybody's going to pray together, that you want to receive salvation today for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. If I'm talking to you, I want you to lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. I want to get this right. Am I talking to you? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I just want to receive Jesus today. All you got to do is wave at me. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to make sure I get it right. I see you. Now church, let me ask you a question. See, you never have to stand alone. If you're in the room today and you know that the time that you spend in His Word, the time that you spend in His presence, because He is the Word, has not been what it needs to be. And right now today, in this sanctuary, you would like to rededicate yourself to spending time in His Word, to studying to show thyself approved, spending time with Him, because you know you need to be doing it more often and more consistently. If I'm talking to you, would you just admit it today by saying, Pastor, that's me. Please include me in this prayer. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Anybody else? I need to rededicate my time in His Word. I need to rededicate my time in His presence. Pastor, that's me. I want to recommit today, rededicate to the discipline 
of spending time. The scripture says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. So right now, I want you, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, I want you to pray this prayer with all of your heart. And I believe that when we cry out, heaven hears and our soul can be strengthened this morning. Would you pray with me, Jesus? Forgive me for my unbelief. Increase my faith. Save me from myself, the enemy, and the world around me. I confess you as Lord. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. Put your word inside of me and let it be the difference in who I am. Use me for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, stand with me this morning. Don't just stretch. Put your hands together. Clap for those that just prayed. Listen, we had at least seven people that just raised their hand that received salvation. Church, if you appreciate them and their honesty, could you join with the angels? The Bible says that if even just one returns, that all of heaven celebrates. Listen, we're thankful for you. I want to issue just one more challenge today. If you've never been through Next Steps, if you're not currently plugged into a ministry, because it's not just about getting you plugged into a ministry. It's about you discovering who we are as a church and then you discovering who you are and how you may be able to serve, how you may be able to minister, not just in the church on Sundays or Wednesdays or in our events, but what's your ministry? What's your calling? That you would know Jesus, find freedom, discover purpose, and impact eternity because that's what you were created for. That's what happens in the next steps. So if you didn't have any plans after this service, I want to ask you to join us. If you've never been through Next Steps or um, you're not currently serving in a ministry anywhere, we want, to, we want to invite you. We want to feed you. We have child care available for you. And if that's not you, I just want you to pray for us as we go. And I want you to plan on being here, not just Saturday and Sunday morning, but even next Sunday night if you don't have plans. If you have plans with your mama, please don't let me get in the way of that. I don't want nobody's mama calling me asking me why I had service on Sunday of Mother's, Mother's Day. Okay, But if you don't have anywhere to be, we want you to come be with us that Sunday night. If you've been here before, you kind of know how we close, but I just want you to open up your hands like I'm handing you a present and pray a blessing over you and we're going to get out of here. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your word. I thank you that it does not return unto you void. And right now I pray that the anointing of heaven would fall into our hands and that it would move down into our hearts and that we would be more than just hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. And as doers of your word, everything that we put our hands to would be blessed. I pray that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. God, lift up your countenance upon your people and let us receive your peace. Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Come into everything that we are a part of and empower us to be an example for you and never anybody's excuse. Fill our hearts with a desire to follow hard after you with everything that we have and help us to accomplish the vision that you've given this church to meet people and grow closer to you together. Help us to do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Hey, meet somebody that you don't know before you leave here today. Don't just come shake my hand. Meet, introduce yourself to somebody else. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.